want to thank everyone for tuning in to an all-new issue of Geek in the City Radio. And thank you for continuing to share the show with your friends and, you know, co-workers, wherever you happen to know and enjoy podcasts. Um, while you're sharing it, if you could give us a five-star review on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, uh, Podbean, where our show originates from, anywhere that you can give us a five-star rating would be appreciated. It helps us climb up the metrics and be able to bring more content to you. And if you've always wondered, hey, what do they look like while recording the show? Well, for almost a year now, we have been streaming on Twitch at twitch.tv forward slash geek in the city you can interact with uh, fellow listeners you can interact with us you know what we just have a great time every week hanging out and being you know just the nerds that we are we all have a lot of fun we would love you to join us twitch.com forward slash geek in the city as always the podcast will always be free and let's get it started right now this is a good spot to take a break and talk about our sponsors. Uh, first up, our newest sponsoring friend over at ByBabble. Uh, they are putting out your favorite kind of like geeky Portland guide. Um, for, for Man, this will be for old school listeners, but if you remember the old geek calendar back when there was the uh, PGC3, was it? The Portland Geek Council Culture. You know what it was? It was a lot of meetings that I had to listen to people talk about mission statements. None of, none of which happens with the uh, the Babel Guide. So, yeah, just go to buybabble.com, B-U-Y. Um, yeah, and you'll see the Portland Geek Guide on there that lists, like, geeky restaurants, bars, locations, uh, like the place we're recording in right now. Um, yeah, just a bunch of stuff. But that's not the only thing he does. There's also a, uh, a food truck guide. Uh, to finding all the best food trucks in town. You know, sometimes you get out-of-town guests, or you've lived here so long you kind of forget where stuff's at. This is a pretty cool guide to remind yourself of the city we live in and all the nerdy, fun things that happen. So check it out. It's by Babel. I think, yeah, bybabble.com. It'll come right up. And before we get back, our sponsor, our next sponsor is, of course, Guardian Games. They are the city and perhaps the country's greatest game store. There are all kinds of events that are happening at Guardian Games. And uh, I know we're getting close to October, which means we're getting close to rampant consumerism. Um, But really, just an excuse to buy extra games, of which they will have. Board games, card games, dice games, miniatures, it doesn't matter. Like, if it's a game that's still in print... Uh, Guardian Games will have it. If they don't have it, see if they can order it. And also check out, like, they have a huge selection of, like, independent and small press games that I'm beginning to discover more and more and and appreciate. As much as I love my big, over-the-top D&D game sessions, sometimes I kind of want a quiet, more more personal game, and Guardian Games will have that. So check them out, and when you're there, please, please say you heard about them, or just thank them uh, for sponsoring Geek in the City Radio, which we are returning to right now. Hello, my friends. No, your podcast feed is not messed up. It is not deceiving you. This is indeed a new issue of Geek in the City Radio on a Friday. But more specifically, it is a special Geek in the City one-shot supplemental issue where the crew sits down with actor Noah Aberbach-Katz. You probably know him the best, though, as the Andorian Rin on this season of Star Trek Discovery. So it's going to be really exciting to talk to him, and our ability to pull off these kind of short supplementals are brought to you by our amazing sponsors. 
folks like Guardian Games, 345 Southeast Taylor Street in Portland, Oregon. We're going to cover a lot of nerdy stuff in this supplemental one-shot. We're going to be talking about Star Trek and role-playing games, both of which you can find at Guardian Games. If you are curious about any of the D&D stuff we talk about, or maybe the Star Trek Adventures role-playing game itself, go to Guardian Games. You can also find them online at guardiangames.com. And also, our friends at Bridge City Comics, you can find them online at bridgecitycomics.com, where they have a huge collection of D&D comic books and Star Trek comic books and everything in between. So if everything we talk about on this one shot sounds like a lot of fun, our sponsors will have it. Bridge City Comics and Guardian Games. You didn't come here for my rambling. Let's get started on the interview with Noah Averbach-Kotz. Why, hello, everyone, to a little Geek in the City supplemental. I'm one of your hosts, Aaron Duran. I'm one of your other hosts, Spinarita. And we are joined by a very awesome guest, uh, Noah Averbach Katz. Uh, if you are totally familiar with that name, I guarantee you know his character uh, as, the, as Rin on Star Trek Discovery. Thanks for popping in, sir. Guys, thanks for having me. I'm excited to be here. Yeah. Um, so <laughs> this all kind of this all kind of started because I think I I think I saw you mention something about role playing games, and I was like, well, I got to talk to him. Not only on Star Trek, but he also appears to be like a big gamer. So I'm just gonna just jump into his tweets and just start replying to random stuff. And if he finds it annoying, he just won't reply. That's all. <laughs> enough i think that's a good way to approach just about anything on twitter yeah that's kind of how i try to gauge everything on here um so i think like the like the first big question that everyone would have is you went from like and i'm sure you're still a fan but you're you're you know your slideshow and your picture so like you went from like a hardcore fan to now stepping on set yourself like how does that feel like the transition does it how does it hit you God, you know, it's just been so crazy because there's been so many in-between steps too, you know, where it's like growing up, being a huge fan, uh, uh, jumping in and just like seeing, you know, my mom at all these conventions and seeing all these people at conventions and uh, just, just really getting the inside experience of like being a Star Trek fan you know, and just like being like that super nerd and having all these pictures of myself like next to Klingons in Las Vegas, you know. And then, you know, getting to when Mary first got on the show, I was obviously like trying to be on the set as much as I could. I would just like constantly be walking around. I would go <laughs> that I was absolutely not allowed to be on and just like walk around and see if there was anything I could take a picture of or anything that I could slide in my pocket or anything I could do. Um, so like really that was like such a, such a cool experience of like getting to see it from behind the scenes still as a fan and really getting the sense that it was like, you know, you, Part of part of you is like, man, I, I don't want to go on set and meet these people and have everyone be a jerk and have everyone be like, oh, I can't believe what it is, this stupid Star Trek thing. And we got to be nice to him because he's married to one of the main characters. <laughs> and like have the ships look like crap, like everything is going to fall down, you know. But I got on those sets and I'm like, holy shit, like these look incredible, you know. Everyone – is doing is doing such an amazing job there's you know the main discovery 
the bridge is on one soundstage and then like the sort of body of the ship is on another soundstage and I have gotten lost in discovery walking around you know I'll like take a left I'll be like how did I get to the transporter room what is going on right now <laughs> and and then you know moving from there to actually getting to be on the show was amazing because I had I knew so many of the cast and so many of the crew you know some of the cast were at my, me and Mary's wedding so like I knew them all really well and everyone was just so excited for me they all sort of knew the story and I think there is that thing where it's like you're working really hard on something and somebody comes in and is like, that is awesome. Like you made that just for me and I love it. And I just think that sort of energy was so much fun for people. And it was really fun for me and everyone was just, just excited for me. And, and I was the most excited of all, you know? So it was just a really, really amazing experience. That's really cool. And, and really quick, our other co-host Cable just uh, was able to join us here. I, I'm at work, so. <laughs> okay. Um, so w- when you first got, you know, you first got the, you know, that you did the makeup and you first walk on set, um, do you think your, do you think the fandom you already had and the love for the characters and the set and the crew working on it, do you think that made you a little more nervous for the first time or did it really kind of just lock you in and say, no, this is real, so let's. Yeah. Let's be cool. That's such a good question. You know, I think for the, it it sort of goes in and out. The very first thing I shot was at the end of 306, I've, you know, made it up on a book ship. I got shot and I'm just laying on a hospital bed, you know, in, in in sick bay. Uh, And I was laying on this bed and they were doing a rehearsal where Sonequa and David were just sort of standing above me kind of talking, being like, yeah, he's going to make it blah, blah, blah. And I was laying on the bed in the makeup and it was rehearsal. So they weren't rolling, but I was, uh, I had my eyes totally open and I was smiling, just looking at them, getting to look up. I was like, I can't believe I'm on a sick bay bed. I can't believe I'm wearing one of like the, the sheer, you know, white medical robes. I can't believe that there's like a heads up display right behind me. That's like doing my body scan. And so I was just smiling and looking at Sonequa and Sonequa sort of looked down genuinely confused and was like, is that what you're going to do during this? (laughs) Uh, You know, there were moments like that where I was like, I need to like get it together here. But then, you know, when we started shooting 306, what was really good is that I think, well, what was really good for me is getting to work with David on 306, who was somebody who was, he was getting comfortable on the set too. You know, this was his mm-hmm. sixth episode, you know, sort of stepping into the cast and obviously everybody loved him, but he, you know, he's still trying to like find his rhythm in a, in a way. And I think for him, it was very fun to have somebody come in who was also like, you know, sort of trying to figure out what their sort of place was. Um, and I think because I wasn't in that fan mode, I wasn't like, Oh my God, I've been watching Doug for two years and now I'm standing next to him. It was like, it felt very much, you know, like actors getting to work. But I think then it sort of flipped where it's like, I know this genre so well. I know the style. I know the tone. I know what is too big and what is too small and what you can get away with and what you can't get away with, uh, you know, in terms of style. And I think that, that really helped me, feel like I knew exactly what I was doing. You know, I, I knew what what the target was. You know, it wasn't like 
I stepped onto the set of Grey's Anatomy, having never watched an episode and been like, uh, like do- some some doctor. It's like, no, I know who this who this guy. I know who he is in this kind of story. You know, I know that he he has to do these certain things storytelling wise so that he can punch up the story, give some humanity to everyone who's there, and give this kind of other side to this character book we haven't seen in an episode or two. Um, mm-hmm. So I, I think that really helped. And then on, on 308, when I worked with Jonathan Frakes, that all went out the window again. And I was like, I just am sweating bullets. I think I'm going to. I was just going to ask you, it's like, yeah, what's it like, you know, working with, with Jonathan Frakes? I, I know for, I've been an extra on two of his sets, but that's nothing like being a principal, you know, I'm, but even as an extra, I remember thinking like, my, this guy's got it on lock. He's such a pro. <laughs> I mean, I think anybody on his set, you're just like, wow, this guy knows what he's doing on so many different levels. He knows how to talk to actors, you know, which is amazing because not all TV directors know how to do that or know how to do that at the level that he does. He knows how to uh, keep the energy high and positive and really, you know, like you're all working together to make something awesome. He's not, he's never like hanging on too high tightly to something if somebody's like you know it's not working throw it out we'll do something else you know he's just truly an excellent director in every sense of the word you know an excellent leader um and i think you know he was able to make me feel comfortable you know it took a second or two because i was just like i don't know what i'm supposed to say like you know it's I feel like I feel like for some people coming to Star Trek, like, oh, cool, yeah, Jonathan Frakes, whatever, you know. But now I can go to work. But I was like, I don't know how to, I don't, I don't know how to talk to you. Like, I don't know what I'm supposed to say. I was so glad that I had this huge coating of blue over my face, so like you couldn't see my my face like constantly changing color, or like the the blood draining out of my face if I said something wrong. I was like, thank God I can just like stand here and stare with these blue, you know, contacts in, so they can't see my pupils dilating in and out. Um, but he really, you know, he really, really made me feel super comfortable. And like, I was a part of the team and, and I think, you know, the stuff that we shot, especially me and Emily in that, uh, in book ship, it just, it just plays really well. And, you know, it's like heightened, you know, the, the, the reactions are huge and big, but they still feel very Star Trek. Uh, and I think he kind of allowed me to like, kind of go for it in a way that is fun uh which i which i really really appreciated and i i think turned out in a really fun way you know yeah no the the scene was great i mean you can almost always tell not that i mean there's no there's been no bad director on the discovery and i don't think there's there's going to be it's been it's been solid the whole i mean it's been but each episode each director you can tell their style yes you know which is and and so since freaks kind of tends to have like a that kind of glimmer of his eye, his episodes always kind of have a, I don't want to say a wink and a nod because that discredits the story and, and, and the performances, but there's always a sense of joy in his episodes. Especially for Star Trek, Star Trek has a wink and a nod. Star Trek needs to have some campiness. Star Trek needs to have some archness, you know? Star Trek is, Star Trek does have that sort of, you know, it, what I like about, star trek in this regard is i feel like so often especially now people are winking at the camera you know it's like oh you know we're, we're superheroes like isn't that isn't that totally mm-hmm. I, star trek it's like everyone on the bridge of the enterprise looks at each other and goes we're on a spaceship isn't that crazy and it's like it's almost like in the world you know it's goofy in the world it's campy 
Um, and, and yeah, I, I think there is that, you know, and I think he, he allows that. It's, it's fun. It, it's very Star Trek. Nice. There is uh, a, I think that there's an element of Star Trek that uh, implies to me that in order to be one of the heroic characters or to do heroic things uh, within the Star Trek universe is to be a little bit of a rogue. Yeah, yeah, definitely. You know, it is, it's, it's sort of, it's being able to, to be your full self, you know, whatever that means, be your rogue self, be your authentic, you know, complete being and whoever that is can absolutely kick ass in any situation. Nice. Um, one quick little, like, almost like, I guess, super nerdy character question. I, I read in one of your interviews that you grew up with Voyager, but that Enterprise might be like your fondest memory. Cause you know, the, I always feel like depending on your age, the Trek that was running live becomes your favorite Trek. Yeah. Um, so I just, I'm just curious, uh, your character's antenna have not grown back, even though we saw Shran start to, in your head, did you ever think to ask like, guys, am I ever going to get the full? Well, uh, here's what I think, you know, I, so, so uh, I've, you know, in terms of asking, I was sort of like, I really didn't want to find out what was going to happen next to this character because I, I was like, I need to just be present here because if I get too caught up in like what's coming next or what might happen to them, I'm going to turn into um, like a crazy fan kind of thing where it's like, well, you know, the, the, the timeline doesn't quite match up with this. And if we, you know, and it's like, I just, I can't worry about that. You know, I need to let the writers do their job, trust in them. They're talented in terms of the antenna stuff, uh, you know, without sort of, I don't know, whatever. Um, there, I think there was one point in a script, I think, or it was talked about offset and it's definitely my, personal headcanon so please don't put it on memory alpha but it is my headcanon that you know it's such a different thing with shran and archer where archer's trying to do this very precise cut and they all know it's going to go grow back and you know it's like everyone's on the same team i think what the reason why these things haven't come back is has much to do with uh you know an andorian or whatever it has more to do with osira and the kind of person the kind of villain that Osira is you know she knows what she's doing she knows that these antenna can grow back and she is making a concerted effort in her display of brutality to make sure that they don't grow back you know she she's talented enough in uh villainy to to know that to, to, to be able to make sure these don't come back. That's my head cannon. You don't, I mean, in full it. disclosure, that's kind of what I that. thought too. I just wanted to hear it say out loud. Also. <laughs> yeah, that's kind of what I was figuring. They're pretty mutilated there. It's not, a, it's not a clean cut. Uh, it kind of hurts to look at. Exactly. Exactly. So, you know, you can, uh, everyone can, can digest that as they see fit. <laughs> well, uh, Denise had mentioned like Trek, Trek characters kind of have to go rogue, which is a kind of a fun way to to slide into your other your other thing you enjoy, which is role playing games. Um, <laughs> how did how did the how did the topic of running games for some of the casts come up? Yeah, well, I haven't really been playing D anD D for that long. You know, I was never really like a huge tabletop guy. You know, video games, whatever, but. 
a few years ago, a buddy of mine, you know, I, I'd been listening to the adventure zone with Mary, actually, she kind of got me into that. And then a buddy of mine, like sort of pre the D and D explosion had played with a friend and he wanted to start a game. So I joined that. And, you know, when you're depressed, there's nothing better than Dungeons and Dragons. So a bunch of us were depressed, which meant we were playing all the time, really consistently. We never missed a session. So got really into it there. And then I had, you know, started moving up to Canada, moving up to Toronto when Mary was shooting um, so that we, you know, didn't have to do kind of in between New York, Toronto. And I was just looking for something to do last year. And I was like, well, maybe I could start a D&D game. And I was sort of floating the idea. And then I booked a play and I had to move back to New York. But this year it was like, well, even before we knew what the COVID protocols would be it was like it's going to be really hard for people to get together mm-hmm. the cast is so good about hanging out about playing you know party games together essentially about getting to know each other that that's going to be really really sad to miss because whatever it's going to be it's going to be in some altered form um, and I know personally like one of the great ways that I've been able to stay connected with my friends has been through you know zoom D and stuff like that um so I was like thinking about it and then Anthony posted something on Twitter about, you know, he was playing a game with his friends or he tried it out and I loved it. And I was like, okay, there we go. And I mentioned it to him. And then like the cast was doing, doing these uh, group zooms, just kind of check-ins that I would stick my head in on. And at the end of every zoom, Anthony would be like, Oh yeah, Noah's running a Dungeons and Dragons game, by the way. And I was like, okay i am and then i think blue jumped on it they had played as well uh so they were like yeah i really want to do this can we do this uh noah you're dming and i was like oh okay i guess i am uh and then from there you know i just sent out a big long scary email to uh to the cast and emily and mary and ian and blue and anthony were like yeah i'm in and and We've been doing it, you know, pretty consistently since the start of shooting season four. Um, And I just think it's been such a great way to, like, get to hang out, not have to talk about work, you know, but to get to know each other. And especially for Blue and Ian, it's been, uh, for me personally, I've really, really feel lucky to have gotten to know them because I I didn't really interact with either of them uh, very much last year. I don't think I've even met Ian in person before um so it's just been a great way to kind of get to hang out and and sort of create new stories that aren't about you know what went wrong at work you know so it's been great (laughs) that's really cool um i do know a lot of uh a lot of creative folks see see role-playing games as another good way to explore character within themselves and within story um i mean i assume that would happen on the on the actor level as well yeah, you know, I think I think actors love this game. Well, I don't want to speak for actors, but I find as an actor, I love this game because especially on a show, uh, on a TV show, so often you're like, you get a script and you're like, what, what the hell? You know, this guy who or girl who I've been playing for two years, they would never do this. They would never say that. This is how they would handle it. This is what they would do. And when you're playing D&D, you get to make those character decisions for yourself. And I, I find that extremely gratifying to have that sort of character control. Uh, it, it's just awesome. 
<laughs> That's really cool. Um, so within your within your gaming group, is there <laughs> are one of the players kind of catch you by surprise? Like I didn't know you had this in you. Like they kind of play against type that you that you come to know them publicly or what have you. You know, I would without actually, getting yourself in trouble. No, you know, I think the one thing that has surprised me the most is like how game everybody was. Nobody's really that hardcore off type, mainly because everyone is sort of newer to the game. And I feel like you don't start making those off type characters until you've had two or three under your belt. And you're like, I really want to try something out there. But I was shocked how game everybody was, both for the RP and for the rules. It's like, I didn't really need to do that sort of like, what do you say to the shopkeeper? Are you, you know what I mean? Like I didn't need to do that sort of like facilitating, which I was totally happy and expecting to do. It's just a weird thing. And everyone was just like, just right in it, you know, character voices, talking, ready to go. It was like, you guys are making this way too easy. I'm starting to freak out now. <laughs> That's really wonderful to hear, but also not that much of a surprise, I think. I think in this day and age, a lot of actors move into that field because uh, of the opportunity for self-expression, artistic expression. And now I'm actually just like that much more envious of your group because um, – because it's literally just a group of people who want to create, uh, creatively express themselves and tell stories and develop their own characters and have all of this autonomy that isn't always there when you're just the actor and not a producer or a director or have like a multi-role uh, situation. Yeah, I mean, honestly, everyone should be jealous of this group. I hate that. <laughs> percent true. Uh, I, th I think everyone is. Uh, one other thing that I'm pretty jealous of is that you got to work with Grudge uh, in uh, episode seven. So I uh, want to hear all about that. I haven't. I haven't had actually had the chance to talk about Grudge's and mine rela mine relationship uh, since that episode came out. Um, Grudge hates my guts. That <laughs> what? Listen, I don't know what everyone's talking about with like this sweet cat. That cat could not stand me. It wanted nothing to do with me. I mean, I don't blame it. It's a cat. And like, you know, the scene is like me, me screaming and shaking this cat back and forth and, you know, all this stuff. But in the original script, it's supposed to be like, I'm, I'm really terrified. And the cat sort of jumps into my arms as like a source of comfort. What it wound up being was somebody picking up the cat, throwing it at <laughs> me, sort of grabbing it, and then with so holding it so tightly that my arms were sore by the end of the day because it was <laughs> just 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 wrenching it towards my body so that it wouldn't immediately run out. And I was supposed to hold it the whole time in the ship, and it was you know supposed to like lick my face or jump on the console and be like, you know. Um, and at some point I looked at Jonathan, I was like, Jonathan, like, if I, like, I, I don't think I can, I don't think this cat is going to stay for the whole scene. Can I just like open my arms and it just will immediately just jump away from me. And he's like, yes, I love that. So that way you're like in the, in the guidance of, you know, the ship or whatever. So it was heavily modified to fit Grudge's um, 
needs. And towards the end, like I think at the very, so towards like the second half of the day, when the cat would be in my arms, it would just be yowling. Just the whole, <laughs> all the, I talked to the sound guy, the audio was just, and it's a big cat. So it's really loud. You know, everyone's hearing it. And to like the, at the very, very last shot of the day, uh, they, they put the cat in my arms and it stopped yelling and it just turned its head up to look at me and looked at me right in the eyes. And I was like, I am so happy there is rubber protecting my face because I think if we do one, <laughs> this cat is going to attack me. Thank God. Like there's like claw marks on the leather that I'm wearing. So I, I'm so thankful that I had all this sort of like protective gear on, but I li- they were literally, they wanted to do like one more thing. Hey, can we, can we get grudge to like crawl up on the console or something? And I was like, guys, it's just not going to happen. I'm telling you. And so that was the, that was the end of the day with grudge, but you know, gets along fine with David. Good for him. <laughs> I know there's pictures of David holding the two grudges, just happy as a clam. They're all just cuddling. I don't understand that because when I was there, we were on set for 12 hours. There was just one grudge. I've never seen two grudges. There was only one. And that one is, is definitely traumatized for the rest of it. <laughs> Do you think it maybe was the makeup? Uh, I don't actually think it was the makeup. I think it was the fact that I was just screaming in its face because we were <laughs> shooting, a, shooting. I was just like, you know, screaming at it, which I don't think any cat is going to be cool with, you know? Yeah. And I think you might be the only performer on that show that's had grudge thrown at them. Yes. <laughs> Was asking like, how'd you get it to jump on your lap? It's like, uh... <laughs> I'm gonna watch that scene again and see if it looks natural or not. Yeah, yeah. Please do. Please see. <laughs> Tightly, I'm clenching this cat to my body. Yeah, Maine Coons are not small cats. It's a very, very big cat. It was very heavy, and I was very afraid. <laughs> I think that the the cats that uh, that are cast for Grudge are. E- like particularly large, even for the Maine Coon variety. Yeah, they're enormous. <laughs> I don't know why in my head I can almost imagine Frakes just kind of giggling behind the camera, thinking, "Let's see if I can get this to him one more time." <laughs> I think by the end of the day, everyone was like, "I've had enough of this." You know, this is why you say don't work with animals. I can't believe this. Yep, makes sense. Oh man, that's fantastic. Um, I mean, I, I kind of think a little chat about Grudge is kind of a, a, a pretty good way to, to wrap up our interview. I know folks have got stuff they have to get going. Um, I did have, uh, there's one person who knew this interview was going, so I have one kind of listener question to run past you that's both D&D and, and, and Trek related. Um, what characters do you think the actual Discovery crew would be playing if they were playing like D&D 12th edition by now or whatever? I was hoping you would ask that. <laughs> uh, let's see. I think. Um, let me let me run this down. Saru would be a cleric, or yeah, a cleric or a druid. Probably a cleric. His essence is cleric, even if his body is druidic. Um, Tilly. Tilly would be a bard. Uh, Michael. Michael would be probably just like a fighter or a paladin. No, Michael would be a paladin. Uh, Giorgio would either be a warlock or a rogue. 
Um, who am I missing? Uh, Ajala. Ajala would probably. Ajala would be a druid. Book would be a dru- druid with his cat familiar. Uh, <laughs> who am I? Who am I? Who am I missing? Anyone? Let's see, like maybe like Stamets and Culber. Yes, Stamets and Culber. Well, Culber, Culber would be. I guess Culber would technically be the cleric, but yeah, I think I think I think Culber would be the cleric, and I think Stamets would probably be a. I want to say a sorcerer. I know everyone's going to say uh, uh, artificer, but I think a sorcerer. There's just like that weird mycelial energy. Okay, yeah. To Anthony to play a druid of the spores because it'd be so spot on for the mushrooms. Right, yeah. And we've talked about how Stamid, it would be a druid of the spores. Mm. What about you? Oh, what would, you mean what would Rin play? Yeah. Yeah. Oh my God. I don't know. What would Rin play? Rin would probably play a paladin as well, like maybe a Oath of the Fallen or, or Vengeance Paladin, something like that. Oh. How about that? That's, that's right. very nice. That's kind of I think that's the perfect way to wrap this up. <laughs> kind of in, entwines the two geekeries all in one fantastic question and answer. <laughs> well, thank you guys for having me. It's it's been uh, really fun talking to y'all today. Yeah, it's a lot of fun, Noah. Thanks a lot. We'll probably Thanks. get this up the next like tomorrow, so Friday, and we'll be sure to tag in whatnot. Sounds great. Sounds great. All right, cool. Uh, thanks a lot, Noah, and uh, give her best to uh, give her best to Mary. Also, <laughs> definitely will. All right, all right. You guys, have one. You too. Take care. Well, that was cool. He was yeah, Noah, for hanging out with us in the middle of the day. That's a good tight thirty. Yeah, that's it's a good conversation. Randomly chat with someone and then. After like a glass of wine, you're like, let me just send him a direct message and see if he wants to be on the show. I, didn't, I never caught any of those tweets where you were uh, interacting with him. So in full disclosure, it started because of our friend Jesse, who plays an Art Trek game and runs a Star Trek Adventures game. Mm-hmm. Uh, I believe like Noah had posted something about, I think about asking about the Star Trek Adventures. Like what's it like to run it and whatnot. And Jesse jumped in it and he texted me and he's like, I'm having a nerdy role-playing chat. And I was like, I got to get in on this. And then it was like this. Oh, I wanted to ask about that, but we, I don't know. We wrapped up kind of quick. I was like, have you, are you familiar with Star Trek Adventures? Would you, would you be interested in getting in on one of those? Well, we'll just have to ask them on again in a few months. See what, see what they're up with. Yep. I guess. So. I imagine the cast not wanting to play the game. Like really? We're going to play the more game? Star Trek. Or more, yeah, exactly. <laughs> By the way, I totally wrote down uh, his, you can't see that, but uh, his, his breakdown of uh, the Star Trek characters as uh, RPG characters. Yeah. And now we need to like contact some of our art friends and say like, we got a project. <laughs> so they would jump in on that. The artist we know, yes, <laughs> in a heartbeat. Yeah, we've already been tracked out. <laughs> oh, that's true, right? Yeah, that's right. I'm a Where motion is picture. That? I need to, I should frame that if I haven't already. Yeah, she put me in the motion picture admirals uniforms, which are just cool <laughs> and weird looking. <laughs> well. I'm glad you guys were able to join in the middle of the day. I know it took some schedule wrangling, but uh, I think it was worth a chat with Noah. He was pretty amazing. Yeah, I didn't want to miss that, so I was glad uh, to be able to to get the accommodation. It was yeah. not as big a deal as I thought it would be. 
Cool. Yeah, and that grudge story is gold. Yes. I'm super excited that no one has talked to him about that one yet. <laughs> cool. Well, we should sign off on this. We'll be back next Tuesday with a regular show, but we hope folks enjoyed our supplemental or huh, we got to think of something to call these. Um, I mean, most people just refer to it as bonus content. That's true. Um, and we don't do them very often, so it's not like it needs like a name. Um, hold on. Let me think. If we call them issues, you know, like a comic book, what are other terms for like one-offs uh, besides oh. one-offs? Because that's... Hmm? They're called one-shots. 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 Uh, variants, but that doesn't quite make sense. Variants, variants would be if we did the same show, but we all painted our faces different colors. Yes. <laughs> that would be a variant. Yeah. I think, no, I think I think we could do better than that on making something that we could t- t- realistically refer to as a variant. I'm going to think about this. But yeah, maybe just one shot. I like that. That's good. Geek in the City one shot. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, I'm going to go ahead and stop recording. Uh, well, thanks for listening, everybody.